Hodges puts up the three. Long go. Rebound box. Now head over in this direction. Gone to three. Campus Corner today joining me again for the second time, none other than URI Sports play-by-play broadcaster Stone Freeman. Stone, how's everything going, man? Since the last time we talked, I'm I'm really well. Thanks for uh, for having me again, Cam. I got to ask, Jim, am am I the first to be on twice, or do you have repeat guests? You're the first one, man. First one. Wow. Man. All right. All right. I'll wear, I'll wear, yeah, I wear that uh, that honor proudly. No, thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat with you today. Yeah, no problem, man. And I'm I'm trying to you know reconnect with the people that I've had on before. You know, kind of to see like uh, how maybe well I've grown as a you know a podcast host or like you know how people have like uh, you know kind of evolved from the point I've talked to them before. So you know, kind of going like along those lines. Like I don't know if you've seen some episodes. If you have, I don't know if you have any. You know, give me some feed, uh, feedback on like you know how I've done so far. Yeah, no, you're you're doing great. I mean, the 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 key in all of this. I mean, and, and not that that talent isn't a key, which which of course you're very comfortable on air which is important but also consistency i think that's the hardest part for for students that are that are breaking into this field are is realizing the first podcast right in this case right the first camps corner the first person the first guest you have on is to a certain degree the easy part right it's how do you do it again week two right how do you do it again a month from now and uh to see you consistently at it and just keeping that presence on social media is uh, is critical so no you've you've made some strides and uh i'm happy to 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 again be on here chatting with you and, and seeing how far this this goes from here on out yeah, I appreciate it, man, for sure. And like, I can't wait to, you know, officially be on campus next year in my yeah. first year at URI. So that's going to be pretty, pretty cool to see, you know, like you more often in person. I know we met uh, yeah. that one time like, when URI played Bryant, I saw you on the court and stuff like that. So that was cool. Um, you know, kind of going back to like your most recent event that you've hosted, you talked with, you know, five-time Olympian Sean White, three-time gold yeah. medalist, like um, I guess kind of along those lines. How was that experience for you most recently? Yeah, that that was killer. And, and it's one of these things where, you know, you, you kind of get lost sometimes in, in Olympic sports. I'm sorry, the uh, the non-Olympic sports, which are yeah. just traditional, you know, those four major American sports, football, basketball, hockey and baseball. And, and I've been largely consumed over the last you know 18 months or so with basketball, both men's and women's and football. So to add some type of Olympic sport into the mix is is always fun. I remember. I think it was my my first year out of college at URI when I was still in grad school though I, I did public address announcing for a track meet and and I remember even that was such a cool experience and Sean White is is in a different category but similar in terms of this unique type of 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 athlete right you're not talking to a basketball player or a football player right you're talking to somebody that again Sean White has that celebrity side of him because he's really a transcending athlete um, but athletes like that that are in these sports that that you don't get to hear from often it's it's kind of a, a a really cool experience for in my sake the interviewer but for journalists or reporters or broadcasters to talk to those those athletes that that are not in the you know the you know, limelight per se so it was it was an awesome experience he was a super cool dude I mean there's a lot of athletes you're going to meet along the way that that aren't necessarily difficult but you can tell that they're not really about talking to the media and interviews he was just the sweetest dude in the world really cool uh backstage we talked for about 10 minutes before he went on air um 
took pictures with the student entertainment committee at URI and uh, gave, gave us some really good answers. And then there was a swarm of students that found him after the, the event. And, uh, you know, you never want to see that happen to, to these people. They're giving up their time to kind of come and speak to you, but he was so gracious and took photos and autographs with every student that came his way. Um, and what, what started as almost overwhelming for us, the people putting the performance on trying to get him to his, to his vehicle was more relaxing for everybody. And you realize that he he's kind of made for this stuff. So he was super cool. And it's uh, one of those things I'm sure will, will just kind of be a, you know, a footnote in the story as we go on in our careers, but, but to say you've done it and to sit down with an Olympian and a gold medalist is, is a once in a lifetime opportunity. So it was, it was really well worth it. Right. So like what goes into like preparing for that? Like, how'd you know, like, yeah, like, you know, what you're going to ask him or like what the you know rundown was going to be like? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, uh, you know, I started probably four or five weeks earlier when I interviewed Archie Miller, the new head coach down. Right, yep. and, and, and I had taken a unique approach to that interview. I had really um, I can I was sitting right in this this. I mean, I'm, I'm in my dining room now, but my roommates were home. They were in the living room, which is right behind me. And none of them are URI alums. But I just said, you know, what do you, what would you want to hear if your alma mater, if your school just made a hire? And, and I got really good feedback from my roommates, like really like, you know, if one of my buddies went to South Florida, one went to Syracuse and they were like, you know, if, if this person took over, right. I want to know this, if that person took over, I want to know this, but for your situation, right. You're coming off of as great of a dude as David Cox was kind of a, a struggling past two years, right. Energy and scheduling and things of that nature. And I put all that together. I did the interview and it was like, wow, those guys helped me out. I did the same thing with this one. I told my friends and, and one of them is a, is a pretty big, was a pretty big skateboarder when we were kids. And I was like, what would you want to hear if you were in the audience? And he gave me some pointers and, and I went online and I just started digging, right? Cause I knew Sean White. I remember watching Sean White as a kid. I watched his final Olympic run just this last year. Um, I can remember where, where I was when, you know, he won the gold medal in Vancouver. Like I can remember all these things. Um, but I had to kind of, piece it all together. So then the next step in the process was researching, making sure I got the lingo down, right? There's a difference in snowboarding between snowboarding and basketball, right? Like you can't do a 720 in basketball. Mm -hmm. Nobody dunks a basketball like a, a 720 degree rotation, right? But Sean White's done it. So learning those. And uh, it was a cool, cool little moment that I probably am the only one that noticed, but there was some trick. I don't know if it was called a McTwist or 1700. I've, I've since even forgot it, but I said it and I almost like struggled to say it during the <laughs> interview as if like hesitation. And he was like, no, you got it, man. Like, like right on. So that is all worth those are the little details that you got to get right to build that trust in this case with a five-time olympian but for my bigger responsibility with the audience with the with the venue making that an event people are paying money to see something like that and uh you want to make it well worth their while so uh that's kind of what the preparation was like i i really fall back on on you know my teammates which are family friends co-workers what do they want to hear right you're the listener what would you want to hear and taking that to heart and, and kind of making sense of it. Yeah, most definitely. And talking to somebody like Arch, uh, Archie Miller, I mean, that was more, that wasn't, li was that live or was it kind of like pre-recorded and then it goes out after the, pre the press and everything? Yeah, it was, it was pre-recorded, which is a great question. Um, but the downside to pre-recording something, and, and this is something that I know a lot of people can, can certainly relate to when you're live, right? Like, like we're doing something right here that isn't necessarily live, yeah. but you press record and we're going right? right. When you have that instinct, if you stutter, 
somehow you're you especially somebody like yourself Kim, that's do, starting to do this more often right if you stutter a bit you just continue your thoughts right yeah. because you know that you're recording when you do something pre-recorded though you almost get caught up in your own mind yeah. because it's like well i do i can take a second take if i want to but now i have a head coach sitting next to me that clearly like i shouldn't say it clearly but you could tell he had done a long day of media It was a lot for him and his wife to get from Arizona to Rhode Island to wherever they were staying next, right? Layovers here, there, everywhere. And you could see that this was his final interview, right? So it was fun. It was exhilarating. It was pre-recorded, but I wanted to make it as live as possible because I was conscious of his time. So, uh, but yeah, it was, it was a super fun experience. Yeah. And something like, you know, going back to Sean White, like that wasn't, necessarily live but it was a live event in the fact that people paid money to go see it like like you mentioned and stuff like that so you want to make it as uh you know what what, whatever they want to hear and you like you said construct it uh with the feedback from your friends your family and things like that so you know i'm kind of going along those lines a little bit you know kind of learning uh how to not kind of stop what i'm saying like if i if i think of something but like i think before i say it or i say before i think it something like that like I'll get yep. caught up. I'll realize I get caught up with my words. Like talking with some like bigger name people. Like I'm talking to um Tim Sinclair on Friday. He's the PA announcer for the Chicago Bulls right now, and he does the Chicago oh, yeah. Bears. He does the Chicago uh, the Chicago Fire, and uh, he works at the University of Illinois too. So talking with somebody like him, that's one of like my first like kind of big name people. Like I've talked to some big name people before, but you know, like you said, you want to make it as clear as possible. So you look as professional as you know when you're doing it, even though it's not live. You know, it's something that you want to just perfect. Hundred percent, and 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 that's that's so critical. I mean, it's so important to to kind of know your position, but also know that you know whatever you're talking about, right? In this case, mo- you know some of the guests you've had are obviously athletes, but also like this conversation, right? Or the one that you're going to have eventually with the PA address announcer is. We also all will take away from like I can remember doing my first podcast, and and yeah. I can remember doing interviews with you know John Rook, who was Providence College's play-by-play guy, or Bob Sosa, because I was huge into play-by-play, and Bob Sosa who's the Patriots play-by-play man, and and I remember doing these interviews, and like you put in all the effort you coordinated around this person's schedule, right? So to a certain degree, you're putting a lot of effort in exactly to that person. And that's what you should do. Yeah. But then there's like this quick switch that'll go, wait a second. Like they clearly have agreed to do this with me. Mm-hmm. They've given me 15, 25, sometimes a half hour worth of time, right? Let me have a little bit of fun here, right? Let me decompress a little bit. And if you stutter, you stutter, right? You keep going. But think about if you have a conversation with your best friend. You, you lose track of what you're talking about all the time. Mm. Sometimes those make the most authentic podcasts, interviews, et cetera, et cetera, right. et cetera. Yeah. Being able to free flow and, and kind of go in and out of, of, when I say consciousness, right, of consciously thinking about what you want to talk about versus just, hey, let's see what happens. Yeah, and I've had my friends on a plentiful amount of times talking just mm-hmm. like sports in general. Uh, we were, you know, fortunate enough to record an episode at the Johnson Rec, you know, right down the street from my house. Nice. We have like six of us. We're just talking about the NBA and, you know, things like that. So when people mess up, like that's kind of like gold, like, it, oh, like yeah. not not like uh, maybe professionals, too. But uh, like if they mess up or, you know, do something that's like they, they didn't mean to do or say, you know, stuff like you said, stutter or something like and we all laugh like yeah. everyone wants to see that. They love the bloopers and stuff like that people are people you know we're we're, we're none of us are, are are perfect by any stretch so some of us like to think we are but yeah sometimes that that person comes out in an interview and did nothing wrong with that if anything like you said it makes it more authentic it makes it more real kind of going back along with your lines and things like that i know we talked about uh you know how you prepare and uh things like that um 
you know, looking at some of your Instagram stories on like the three things that, you know, uh, you're hyped up about, about the day and things like that. And like the spotting boards that you post, what, go, what goes into your spotting boards, like for basketball and like maybe like football as well and other sports at URI. And um, another question kind of following that was what was the inspiration behind uh, your Instagram stories? Like the three things that you're excited to start today about. Yeah, I'll, I'll start with, with my spot charts because I love publicizing. I don't have, usually I have like some with me. I don't have that yeah. on me right now. I have to go through my backpack. But yeah, those, those, those started as in college as a way to prove to myself that, that I was going to do this, right? That, that I was going to be on air and, and, and no disrespect to anybody else that's chasing their dreams. But like, I would look at a lot of the other student broadcasters and like, it was really commonplace for them to show up and sit down and be like, all right, I got my roster that the athletic department's given me. I got my cell phone in front of me with some statistics. Let's roll. And I was like, that's not how, how I want to do this for the rest of my life. So I came up with these spot charts and credit goes to, again, my buddy that went to South Florida, Tyler Davey, he did this stuff too. It does this stuff too. And I was like, you got any spot charts? And he gave me some from a friend of his down at South Florida that was doing them. And that's just kind of, and then I've just evolved, right. I mix in my own stuff as I go. Um, but what goes into it is just, you know, football, there's more of a structure because you only play 12 games. I'm only doing home games. So I'm only doing really a five game football slate. We hop on something like this and I just listen to your eyes coach, Jim Fleming and whoever made Danny Rocco's since been let go, but I'd always listen to Danny Rocco. He was at um, Delaware or, you know, all these other guys that, that are at different places and, and, and hearing then start to hear what they're saying about their last game and their next game, and the guys I normally tune in more into are the guys that are about to play URI. So I would hear two perspectives, and I take that on Monday. And then Tuesday, I towns and junior versus senior and things like that. And then by Tuesday night, names and faces are all done, right? Who's who is all done. Wednesday, then I start to dive into like uh, specifics, who did what, five catches last week, yada, yada, yada. And then Thursday or Friday is more of, any last minute storylines. Maybe I go out to practice on Thursday night, something like that. I'll take football like a day by day because I got more time. Basketball this year is a little different because most of the home games I'm doing on TV. Most of the road games I'm doing on radio, which was awesome, right? But there's a balance to that, right? I started to know the URI team really well. And I would still make sure stats are updated and if somebody had a, you know, a double, double the night before or two nights before, you still want to include that. But I started to dive deeper into the opponent and that really paid its dividends in the Atlantic 10, because now I'm starting to do teams that I've called twice. I did, I did two Duquesne games. I did two Davidson games. I did two Richmond games, right? Now, you know, the opponent, the second time around the broadcast was, was, I shouldn't say effortless, but so it just rolls right off the, yeah. Oh exactly. yeah. Because you know, the teams well, right. So, right. so that's where, spot charts became so important was I, I again and you start rituals like I was on the plane right you start to put stuff together you get to the hotel you do things and then I was fortunate you know when you're on the road with the team to be able to kind of sit in at practices and stuff like that and and there's a trust side to that right so there's a lot of stuff that that I'm valued as the team at that point and I wouldn't use on a broadcast but then there's shoot arounds where like I can remember we were at a shoot around at VCU and um the TV play-by-play and color commentators were there. And then the radio play-by-play and color commentators were there. And you just start shooting the breeze and you start mixing notes and whatnot. And the play-by-play guy on TV that night was Tom McCarthy, who does a ton of A-10 stuff. And he's also the Philadelphia Phillies play-by-play man. And uh, we exchanged, you know, pleasantries and kind of caught up a little bit. And then he was like, oh, there was a guy, uh, Vince Williams on VCU. And he wore, nobody was sure if he was going to play or not. 
And he just told me, he was like, you know, what? they'll give that to me first because I'm the national guy, but I have no problem, you know, letting you know so you can prepare better. And it's little things like that, that you start to build trust with people and it helps you not become a better broadcaster, but your broadcasts become better. Right. And that's, that's a huge part. Um, briefly, the, the, the Instagram stories. That all started with, um, we went down to Davidson uh with men's basketball and there was a snowstorm back here in rhode island so we flew out like an extra day early um and i i like flying but i don't like the build-up i don't like like having to rush i just like to get there so there was so much like that trip was so and conference play had just started Mm we had come off a covid pause we were going down to north carolina when it's snowing up here in rhode island i just felt great and i we had an extra day of travel which is a blessing right so we did our thing and uh I woke up that morning and literally the woman at the front desk was just like, I'm going to, I'll print out because normally I got to go to like a FedEx or something. And yeah. I told Shane Donaldson, it's a sports information director. I was like, I'm going to Uber to, you know, Staples and get these printed. He was like, check with the front desk first. You got to stop spending money on Ubers. So I checked and the woman was so nice and she got it done. And I said, I'm going to post something because I was on cloud nine. It was my first Atlantic 10 game I did on radio. I did a couple non-conference games um, when I was a senior, and then I did most of the non-conference slate on the road um, this year. But it was my first conference game, and, you know, the season kind of derailed for us, but there was a different vibe. We were 11-4, and four, I think, right, to start the year. We lost it. We ended up losing to Davidson, but those first couple games were so fun, and I really bought into the whole, like I just said earlier, like – there's a trust factor. Like people have bought into you. If you weren't ready for something like this stone, you wouldn't be here. Right. So I think I actually put that on my Instagram story that day. Like, I just remember thinking like, not that I ever really second guessed myself, but like, just have fun with this. Like, let's just do this thing. Like we, we, I'm getting paid to travel with the team and to sit at a basketball game today. Like, like, let me just do this thing. And Again, ultimately, we, we lose the game. It was a great game, though. We lost, We were up seven with six minutes left or something crazy and just couldn't hit a basket down the stretch. But um, that's where it kind of just started from. And, and it's something that people gravitated towards and something I take a lot of pride in now because I think a lot of people look look forward to that on game day, which is something that, that I take great, great pride in. No, it's definitely something cool to look forward to and, you know, see and, uh, you know, kind of how you prepare in a way, too, as well, you know, for the day and just, you know, life in general. But, you know, kind of going along. Oh, yeah like the season wise and stuff like that, your first like year working with the school, you know, outside of being a student, like you said, um, like when we, when we met, I met you first time in person was when they played Bryant at uh, URI. So kind of going like along that, they played PC at the dunk and you were at that game too, right? Like, yeah, um, yeah, that, that was actually, uh, that was a really cool experience. I I did radio, but I did color commentary, which I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, First to admit, I'm not the best color commentator because I, I do believe that. And I think there are great color commentators that don't have playing or coaching experience. But from the fans perspective, a fan gets the most out of a color commentator that's that's played there. So but what I've done color before as a student and I remember my emphasis was always on not questioning as much as observing. Yeah. And um, I got to do the game with Steve McDonald, who is, for all intents and purposes, you know, the play by play man for URI. Last year, he had just stepped aside on road games because of the pandemic and whatnot. And I took his spot. But getting to do that game with him um, first, like, you know, you're, you're from Rhode Island, like there's a different aura to that game. And, and I say that not calling it a rivalry like that's I think it's a rivalry, but everybody can have their own interpretations of it. But there is a different feel to the first Saturday in December. It, it, it like I'm not saying this to be 
cliche, like it's true. Like it feels like Christmas morning. Like you wake up and you know that there's a game that day. And I had woken up and I remember going to Duncan in Garden City and people were talking about it there. And I was like, all right, like this is going to be a good time. And then I yeah. get to the arena and you start to see, because again, Rhode Island, this is why I love Rhode Island. Like everybody knows everybody. Yeah. So yep. you're sitting there and like, my dad and my dad, and mom's friends from work are like trying to find me. And then my own friends from home are trying to find me. And I'm like, this went from like a game that I would go to and go with the six of my friends that I got tickets for this year. But instead now I, back in the day, we would like scalp a ticket to this game and we drive, you know, one of, if any of us even had a license, we would drive to the dunk or to the Ryan center and try to get in. And now like I'm working the game and there are people there that, that are there, for the game, but also to see what I've done. And, and that yeah. was really rewarding. So that's, but yeah, that, that, that kind of, that's, there's going to, I was just thinking about this today, actually, that there's going to be a, something's going to have to come along in my life that caps that, but it's going to have to be crazy because that is one of the, one of the cooler experiences I think I've had. Especially players that played like in Rhode Island their whole life. Like someone like Sebastian Thomas, who I've known like my whole life, like growing up playing basketball, like seeing him like coming from Providence and then playing in the dunk, like a place that he was, he grew up in. You know what I mean? It's like so surreal. Someone like David Duke as well, playing with the Nets. Like it's just, it's so cool to see where these guys have like brought themselves. You know what I mean? A hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, I've, I've always said it, you know, like that. I got a lot of PC friends. I yeah. got a, t- I mean, I live like where I am currently right now in Warwick is right on the Cranston line. Like the dunk is less than 15 minutes from my house. Like I love going to PC games. I don't love Providence College, so I'm not afraid to admit that. But it is. It's when you see somebody do something that, that you know, I, th- I think it's the same thing with Quiddy Pay at Michigan, right? Like when you right. get to yep. see these connections, these people that that go on and, and, and play. I remember Davida Dale came out of Providence and went to Syracuse for women's basketball and then transferred to URI, like seeing and following her career. And now she's playing overseas like – there's just like a different vibe to the state of Rhode Island that I think is so authentic and unique to us. And prob- and back to our initial point, the PCURI game has such like a unique fit into that environment is, is seeing people at that game. It's like a homecoming for a lot of people, right? Yeah. It's December, the holidays are right around the corner. Like mm-hmm. y- you get like a different vibe. So this year I'm, I'm happy it's back at the Ryan center. It hasn't been at the Ryan center since 2019. Um, so to get us back in the Ryan center in 2022 will be fun, but yeah, that's that seeing a guy like Sebastian Thomas, David Duke playing in, in any game, but getting to play in that game, I get it. There are far bigger, big East games on the schedule for Providence, far bigger, a 10 games on the schedule for Rhode Island, but to see the two of them play every year, it's, it's just a tradition that, that I want to be a part of for, for as long as I'm doing games for sure. Yeah. And I'm, I'm hoping you know whatever i get into i can be on that floor whatever it is if it's radio if it's you know if i'm writing a report something you know anything i can get into like i'm, I'm trying to get into like right now i've contacted so many people down there like i'm gonna be writing, uh writing for the cigar i'm gonna be Good. on wiru like all these all these things i'm trying to get like right now like contact right now even like the school even though the school year just ended you know what i mean yeah so, oh yeah but just trying to be oh, as consistent as possible. That's what you got. And, and I mean, again, you can appreciate this because uh, again, you're from Rhode Island, but I remember literally like, I think it was 2011. I went to the PCURI game with my best friend at the time, Rob Bernard. We haven't really kept in touch actually, but Rob was a great friend of mine. Uh, his mom still lives in the state. I know his brother. Well, we were so close growing up and me, him and one of my roommates, Tim, it was actually just in the kitchen. He just went upstairs to bed, but we would, uh, we went to the game and literally sat in the last row of the Ryan center. Like you turned around and we saw the wall 
And every PC URI game at the Ryan Center since I will go up to that one section. I just like, I'm just like, wow, like, all right. And everybody thinks it's like, again, it's not the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. It's not even Duke, North Carolina. Like, I get that. But for Rhode Island, the so URI's version or Rhode Island's yeah. version of it. <laughs> in particular, myself, that is a day. Like, there is probably four days out of the year that I look forward to more than PC URI. And those other four are holidays. Like, Every that is there's that is a holiday for me. So I, I will I will rant and rave about Providence College versus Rhode Island as, as much as I can. Definitely. And like, you know, like I said, again, like hoping I can be a part of it this year, especially what you said, it's at the Ryan Center. So that's going to be you know oh, yeah. insane. So, um, you know, kind of going back to like how you like prepare, you know, kind of like ending those kind of questions on how you prepare and things like that. Um, <laughs> you know, so someone like for me, like you just said, you're not the greatest color guy, which I'm sure you're fine at, you know what I mean? It's just uh, the mindset, right? So someone sure. like me, like I would do, I would do Rick games without a color guy. You know what I mean? So I'd be by oh, myself. Oh yeah. Then so of those. yeah. Oh, a yeah. question that I would have for you is, you know, if you had, you know, if I don't know if you've done it before, I'm sure you have in some mm-hmm. uh, situations, but what's like a, what's something that you think in your mind, like a go-to to like fill in like that dead space. Like, so I got to be the color guy and I got to do the play-by-play and stuff like that. Like if that were ever happen, what would you yeah. recommend to fill that space? Yeah, first, first and foremost, and, and I think this is part of the student experience, but you're, you'll realize that if you want to find a broadcaster that really wants it, it's the dude that'll do the solo broadcast. Because I, I did tons of solo broadcasts yep. as a student. And then I actually did one of the football games I did my first year out of college for URI. The color commentator didn't show up, and I did a football game alone. And, and they're hard. Like, it's yeah. challenging. You, yes, you want to talk about a, a day that you metaphorically or, you know, hopefully in one sense, literally make your money. It's, it's in a game that you do solo. And um, I think the biggest piece of advice is you just have to stay in rhythm. Because what ends up happening is, is you end up fooling yourself into thinking you're talking too much. And then you quickly find out, well, you're the only person yeah. talking, right? So I did a URI game, men's basketball against Manhattan, I think. My first year out of college, it was a four o'clock game on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And um, I remember doing the game and we had a good time. I think we did win, um, but it was right before Thanksgiving. Again, different type of feel that time of year. Basketball season just started. But I remember leaving that place the Ryan center and just thinking like, it's only seven o'clock cause the game started at four. Like I'm going home now and I'm not doing anything tomorrow. Cause it's Thanksgiving. I'm not doing anything on black Friday. And I don't know if we played Saturday, if I had a women's game Saturday, but I said like, I don't want to speak until Saturday morning. Mm. And, and I remember thinking though, that like, there's a reward to it though. Like you battled that. And when I say battle, like I say that loosely, like I get, it's not brain surgery, but like you have to fight through a three hour broadcast being the only one, like, a lot of the stuff you're going to learn while doing a broadcast by yourself, you don't realize it until you have a color commentator. And now you go, aha, I don't have to talk as much, right? Mm-hmm. I can bounce ideas off of this person. And then that's where you get a more authentic conversation because you know that without that person, it's probably not the best broadcast. So it's, it's a unique experience, but it's one that you will get vastly better if you have those under your belt, I'm not saying that's ideally what you want to do for the rest of your life. You probably want to get to a point where you're doing a game or, or a broadcast or a podcast, you know, with another person where you're getting paid to do it. But even solo podcasting is, is an art form. And I did that for a while too, just to, if you know your own thoughts, you can get anybody else to think your own thought. doesn't mean you're going to get them to believe them, but you can get them to follow 
the bouncing ball, right? And and I tell that to my students all the time that I teach, you know, they'll get up in front of the class and I'll always say, do you know your thesis? Do you know what you're trying to say? No. How are you going to get the audience to do that? Mm. You do solo stuff though, right? When you do a solo broadcast, you do a solo podcast, you have no choice but to prepare and make sure you know what you're talking about because you're the only one listening at the moment when you're recording it. So there is real value in, in doing things alone. So my advice to you would be, if you can jump on a solo call, do it. If I could go back, I'd take just as I would, I would, I'd never turn down a solo broadcast in hindsight because it, it, it develops you in a way that you can't really understand until you've done it for a couple of years. All right. So I've, I've called at Rick the, just this year alone. I've called like almost every basketball game. I called women's and, and men's. I called softball. I called baseball, lacrosse, and I did wrestling. Right. Wow. So I can probably count on my hands how many times I've done like, um, like solo or uh, with somebody else. Sure. Um, so with what I did was like, you know, through basketball and, and um, you know, softball and things like that, I would, like you said, kind of just make it go along, make it flow, whatever. And once I had that color guy with me, it was like, oh, he's kind of like, you know, cutting me off. But it's like, that's not, that's, that's, just, that's the point of having a color commentator. And then like, you just jump right into it right after that. And it just flows so, so smoothly. And I completely understand like where you're coming from with that. Yeah, I think I think that that comes down to chemistry, too. And that, yeah. that's one thing that you have to navigate. Right. And everybody I mean, I, I probably I might have even said this on your podcast last time. But, you know, my two main color commentators I've worked with consistently was Jack O'Mara, who was just another student. And he doesn't play by play work and uh, PA work down at URI, too. He works in the ticket office, but we graduated together and um, him and then Shane Donaldson, who's the sports information director that I did most of the road games with this year on radio. Long story short, the two of them did not play basketball or football at all. Like if you saw the two of them, like they're just average dudes like me and we show up and we're the radio team. Right. But our chemistry and the fulfillment that I get at the end of a broadcast with the two of them is is on. You know, it's it, it's perfect. I mean, it's the same thing. I do football games now. We're going on year three with Kyle Rowley, who used to play quarterback at Brown. He does have that experience. But what makes him and I work well together is we know each other now, right? Same thing with the chemistry with Jack and I is that we know each other. So Kyle and I will talk, you know, the Thursday before a broadcast and then Saturday morning when he gets to the game, we outline everything that we're going to talk about, right? What guy stuck out to you? Because he looks at the game from a different perspective than I do. And uh, who, who looked good to you, right? Because he'll watch film far different than I do. This guy looks good. I don't even have them on my notes, right? Well, this mm -hmm. is why we're doing this, right? You write them down. And then that might be the guy that we're talking about in our pregame show. And all I got to do is go, you know, the second string running back for James Madison is whatever. Stone Freeman, he looks to, you know, give havoc to the roadie defense. Kyle, what did you see on tape earlier this week? And I, all I did was, in our business, we call it, you know, teeing him up. I put the ball in the tee. I let him hit it down the fairway. Like, let right. him do his thing. And all that starts, though, with the games that I did with somebody that I just had the chemistry with, because we are so used to just throwing it in the air and letting the other guy hit it. You know, I would tell Jack all the time, we go to a commercial break. This is doing student radio. And I'd say, what do you want to talk? I'm the play by play. I'm doing enough talking. What do you see? What do you want to talk about? Cause you're watching the game. And Jack would say, you know, such and such, or so-and-so just got carted off the field and you know, you didn't even talk about it. You didn't see it. Aha. That's what we're going to come back to. And those, again, you got to have bumps in the road. So what you're saying, you know, chemistry and talking over one another, all that will soon all of a sudden translate to, 
that person knows you and you'll start getting hand gestures from them where they'll start going like this. And that'll tell you, Hey, keep going, man. Like I'll wait for you to finish. And then you start to know each other even better. And the hand gesture goes away. They're just waiting. They know when you're ready to go and you roll with it. I mean, it's, it's weird how it's like riding a bike. It's weird how these cliches work for one another, but everything all of a sudden just meshes together. No, I agree with you hundred percent. Like when I would do the broadcast with um, my friend Cody, he's actually his first year too, working like outside of college. Good. He's um, he, he would do like, he would hop on some of the broadcasts and do play by play. Like he would have to do like the big things like stats and all that stuff. It's his job details yeah. more than just doing broadcasts. But um, when we had the opportunity to, it was just so easy because I knew Cody since I was a freshman in high school and he was a senior. So seeing yeah. him years down the road at the school that I, you know, I'm, I'm attending, you know, the first two years I attended, you know, just, we just kind of clicked and it was so easy just to keep going and going. So um, no, yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. And like I said, going for me coming to URI, I, you know, I hope, you know, that'd be cool. Well, maybe one day me and you could hop on one or something, whatever oh, you know, hell yeah. happens, yeah. like, you know, how the, uh, you know, scheduling and how everything pans out. Like that would be, you know, something cool for me to experience as well, you know, as well. Oh yeah. You, I mean, there's, if I've learned anything, I mean, the Sean White is a, is such a good example. Like there's going to be so many opportunities that'll come a person's way that you just, you don't even see it coming. Like yeah. it, it'll just happen. So yeah, you stay, stay at it, stay in, you know, right place, right time. And it's weird. Like I said, it's weird how it works, but like these things just fall into place if you're working hard and, and other people are seeing how hard you're working. Most definitely. And I, again, I appreciate, you know, the time. I know we got to kind of cut it close, kind of a couple of miscommunications, you know, here and there, but it's, you know, it's all good. I know everyone's always so busy around this time of year, you know, around like the end of the year for, you know, where I as well. Um, but to kind of cap everything off, I just want to know your insights on uh, what you think, what you're expecting kind of for like these upcoming seasons with all these new like uh, pickups, you know, one for URI basketball, you know, being like the top at the top of the list, you know, uh, yeah. football as well with all these new incoming students and, and everything like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm so excited. And, you know, I, of course I wear my roadie pride on my sleeve, but you know, I, I just think we are about to enter, um, you know, a, a new year of change for URI, right. And that's in athletics wise, like, I just think the commitments to in football, I'll get to too, but the commitment to men's and women's basketball in particular with getting a guy like Archie Miller to lead men's basketball. And then the 10 year um, contract extension for Tammy Reese, that is, you know, when, when I say unprecedented, I mean, we had the Dan Hurley era, right? There's an elite eight team that came through Rhode Island. There's sweet 16 teams. All that is, is good and helps the history of our program grow. But right now to see that investment from, all, everybody from our president, at, you know, President Parlange to the athletic director, Thor, all the way down, like there is a different commitment and a vibe than I've than I think I've ever seen surrounding men's and women's basketball coupled together. Right. And then you take into consideration football was one win away yes, uh, last year from a playoff spot. And they haven't been to the playoffs since the mid 80s. I think they're right on the cusp. I think they are they are not only going to do it, I think with the buzz they created last year. Um, they've shaken that, you know, that reputation of, of kind of, you know, what's going to happen to the program. And now they've turned it to, we're here to stay and now we're going to compete. So this, this will be fun. I mean, I love the summertime, but I will start getting super antsy after the 4th of July, like July 5th, there's not a worse day because the weather's probably beautiful. You have every reason to be happy, but the next thing you look forward to months down the line yeah. yeah, is football season. So I'm itching now to get some warmer weather. The only thing I love more than your eyes is warm weather. I hate the cold. So I need some warm weather now. Get 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 those vibes back on. 
my sister's graduating URI this year too. So we're excited as a family. Like there's so much to look forward to over these next couple months. Um, that'll then lead me to August 1st. I'll be down at training camp for football, just itching to get ready to go. But yeah, basketball wise, um, there's a process, right? And, and Archer Miller talked about that. There's a process that has to be followed. And for women's basketball, we were right there, right at WNIT, but you want to get to the NCAA tournament. There's a process all these programs going to follow and, and there's stuff that has to fall their way. But I think we're really on the cusp of, of seeing some pretty incredible things. So you, my friend, are, are joining uh, right at the right time too. You, you'll get a front row seat to some of this stuff over the next two years. No doubt, man. I can't wait. And just, you know, just coming from, learning from the best, like just, yeah. like I said earlier, like I didn't know how, uh, I was trying to go back. Like when I first talked to you, kind of see like how you did broadcast and stuff. I couldn't find like archived things like that, but just getting down to having the opportunity to sit down and like experience, like listen to what you've experienced firsthand has helped me so much just over like the last year. So again, I can't thank you enough. And I, again, I appreciate the time and you know, it's kind of all I got lined up. You got any uh, final words before we end off our second episode? No, you know, I, I think I will say, uh, like I tell a lot of students, um, you know, again, the consistency is important. Um, the connections are important. But you got to you got to enjoy this. I mean, it's it's really that simple. And and I don't say that to be super philosophical. I just say that to like, it can't tell any students. I tell you, yeah. when I say slow down, I'm not telling you to stop, but take it in what you're doing. You're doing a great job, and I'm looking forward to uh, to working with you further down at URI. I appreciate it, so thank you very much.